0: The following audio was recorded by Gateway Church's student ministry program called 180. Gateway Student Ministry creates a come-as-you-are environment that leads to transformation and authentic faith. For more information about Gateway Student Ministry, visit gatewaychurch.com forward slash students. How are you guys doing? You alright? You living the dream? Well, dude, we have like the most delicious turkey you've ever had in your life after this. Is that not exciting? It's like a whole smorgasbord of Thanksgiving early bird special out there. So, hey, happy Thanksgiving. Just a reminder, next Sunday, we're not here, right? Are we meeting next Sunday? No. Good for you. Good. All right, so, hey, we've been going through this series. Listen up, guys. I'll be quick. I'll be like 10, 15 minutes. Nah, I'll be be a little bit. No, I'll be 15 minutes. Okay. All right, so, hey, we're going through this series on identity. We're talking about a lot of different things. Last week, we got to talk about um, identity as far as, like, you being an influencer and the power that God gives you to be an influencer. Today, we're just going to wrap it up with the idea of what challenges your identity, or more so, do you have an identity crisis? Because I'm going to be honest with you, and I'm going I'm to let you in a little bit of my life right now. Like, I feel like on a regular basis, I constantly have an identity crisis. Not where I have a crisis of not knowing what my identity is, but my identity is constantly under attack. And I'm able now, as I continue to dive into God's Word, as our relationship with Him continues to grow, that I'm able to identify the attacks and say, Hey, like, that's not true. But let me tell you, there are many times in my life where I kind of start to believe a little bit of it. I start to take little sips of it, and I start to see the evil that comes from that, the, the, the doubt and the denial and the failing feelings that you get when you start to believe some of the lies that Satan's been telling you. So tonight I want to just tell you a, a little bit of a, a story. But before I do, I want to tell you one of the biggest things that helped me with identity. I'm not just saying this is a pitch to 180, but the idea of being in community with others. Because here's the thing that Satan's really good at. When you're alone, when you're isolated, and when you don't have other people checking in on you and opening yourself up to other people in your life is when he can pick you off really easy. So the thing that really transformed my faith and my life is when I got a chance to be in the the Spirit of God with the people who love him surrounding my youth group. And my youth group really helped me continue to push through this journey of life, and how it meant to be a follower of Christ, and how to keep my identity strong, and all the things he made me to be, and not to kind of find a new path of life that I got confused on, and so I want to tell you a story about the year in my life, I feel like my identity was challenged the most, okay, it was my, friend, my sophomore year in college, I had found a girl that truly was my first love, like she was just, yeah, that's what I'm saying, ow, ow. Her name was Stephanie, so my wife's name's April, so you know it didn't work out. We'll just start there. Okay, so Stephanie, though, was the woman I was going to marry, okay? I was 20 and in my prime, man. I was like a rabbit looking for a carrot, you know what I'm saying? Like, I was going to get Stephanie, okay? And so here's the thing. One of the things that was hard about Stephanie is Stephanie was still trying to figure out who she was. Both of us were at Bible college. She was doing, like, sports medicine as a degree. I was, like, pastoral studies. And I knew that as I went into this relationship, I wanted our relationship to be God-centered. So like, we would do things like we'd serve together. We would like go feed the homeless on, on Michigan Street in Chicago. We'd do really important things to kind of show that like God is the focus of this relationship. But even in Christian relationships where it's like, hey, I know that I value Jesus. They value Jesus. This is really important. Satan is still in the midst of that. It's not like you're protected even though you find Christian relationships. And so I was pursuing Stephanie and chasing Stephanie And I knew that like she was the one I wanted to be with. And I would always try, see, like here's the thing that I started to lose track of is she started to become my God. Like I had Jesus and I had Stephanie. Like it wasn't just Jesus was my one God, it was Jesus and Stephanie. I couldn't see it. My roommates could see it, my friends could see it, but I slowly shut them out because I didn't want to hear those voices. And I started to just fully dive into my desires and my feelings. And Satan used that, and he t- slowly started to pull me away. So let me tell you what happened. We had summer break. I went back to New Hampshire. She went back to Georgia, where she was from, and uh, we just we kept long distance. I would, like, mail her boxes of, like, treats, you know? Don't ever mail chocolate, though, okay, because that's the thing. It was the summer, and the chocolate became, like, very wet and yucky, and it was disgusting. It's like $50 worth of chocolate gone wrong, okay? So I learned some good lessons in that way. But one of the things she really wanted was this guitar. Now, this guitar was really expensive. I don't know why guitars are expensive. It's a piece of wood with, like, string on it, but, hey, I'm not a musician, okay? So, this guitar was, like, $650. Now, here's the thing. I'm broke. I'm in college, right? I'm working at a grocery store, bagging groceries. I make $8.25 an hour. Okay, you guys make more than that now if you work, and as I'm doing this, I'm, like, saving everything I can aside from, like, my gas money, my insurance money, all the things I have to pay for, my responsibilities, and I'm saving up for this guitar to buy her. Now, I wasn't making enough, and so I had this special, beautiful thing that I love very much called my moped, okay? Now, I was, I'm a big dude, but I can ride a moped like a Harley, you know what I'm talking about? Like, I get on that beast, and like, I would make you intimidated. Like, I just look the mean part. So, I had this moped I loved. Weight capacity was like 100 pounds less than what I was, but that's okay, because I rode it hard, and I rode it to the ground, and I got up to like 40 miles an hour going downhill, so it was fast, okay? So I, I loved this moped, and I was like, I have to sell the moped if I want to get the guitar. So I sold the moped, and I bought her guitar, and I had a month left of summer vacation. So as I, as I kind of prepared, I took the guitar on. As a Karen, like, sure, that's too big. I was like, try to take it from me. Like, I was like, this is, like, my special thing for her. So I get to college. It's our junior year, and I'm like, this is the start. Like, this year, I'm going to propose. It's all going to be Perfect. Like, I was just completely infatuated and blinded. So, I give her the guitar, and she says, I think we should break up. And I was like, what? Like, are you you, for real? And I was just like so shocked. So, I did what any man would do. I cried like a baby. I sobbed in front of her. Like, you're going to leave me. You know, like the thing where you breathe and cry at the same time. It was really embarrassing. Snot's running down. I mean, I'm just sweating from my pits. It's like, at that point, I knew she was out. So, I wish I got the guitar back, but I didn't. But the thing that happened, as soon as she said no, as soon as she said, I don't want to be with you, all of a sudden I realized my identity was gone. Because these are the thoughts that started to float through my mind. You are an idiot. You're stupid. People are going to make fun of you when they find out how silly you've been. People are going to think less of you. You're never going to find someone to be with, And so I, these are like the things, I mean, you've probably been in situations, maybe not like this, I hope not like that, but in some situations where you feel like when you do something, something happens to you or a decision you make where you start to ask these questions, these thoughts start to drift through your mind, where you start to wonder like, am I really worth it? Like, am I an idiot? Am I stupid? Are all the things that people say about me who don't love me, who don't care about me, are they true? Like, is there some truth to all these things? And you slowly allow the enemy to get in, where all of a sudden you start to feel really crappy about yourself. And it's at that point that I had to realize what I hope that you can realize before you get to that point, that you've kind of lost a bit of your identity. You are in an identity crisis. You've forgotten, you've forsaken concrete things for quicksand. And that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, really. Um, What does it look like to have an identity in Jesus? Because I had traded God's word, the concrete truths of life, for fear, for lies, and for insecurity. I traded concrete for quicksand. So concrete's this. Let me just remind you of some of the things that are concrete in life. Romans 8.37 says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors in him who loved us first. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved through your faith. And this is not your own doing, but it's the free gift of God. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Quicksand is really easy to fall into. It's easy to get lost in. It's easy to struggle in. You know what's funny about quicksand? I don't know if you ever know this. I love Indiana Jones movies. I don't know if you're ever into that. Indiana Jones is cool. But there's like some cool scenes in the last one, the crystal skull. Where like they're in quicksand, and like it's true about quicksand, like the more you struggle, the faster you sink. And so once you're in there, the only way you're going to get out is if you have something to hold on to or someone to help pull you out. But so often we get in quicksand, we think our natural response is, how do I get out of this? And as we struggle and as we wrestle with it, we actually dive deeper and deeper into the quicksand until sometimes it suffocates us and we can't even see things anymore. We need people, we need community, we need something concrete to hold on to. Matthew 7, 24 through 25 says, everyone who, he- oh, hold on, I skipped ahead, no. Matthew seven uh, twenty six through 27 says, anyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the wind blew and beat against the house and it fell and it was great the fall that came. You know, the enemy is trying to, to Dig at your integrity, dig at your identity by trying to make you build your foundation of life on things that aren't meant to be foundational. You know, bedrock is concrete, but sand is easily changed with water and things that come in it. And there's this really cool thing I want to share you because this is the thing about the enemy and how he attacks you. He doesn't change his tactics, he has very specific ways that he goes after us over and over again. And the same ways that he goes after you he went after Jesus first. So I want to read you this passage in Luke 4, 1 through 13. So just stick with me as we kind of go through this. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those 40 days. Like I could go two, but 40, like no way, that's Jesus. Okay. When, uh, and when When they were ended, he was hungry, and the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone. And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time and said to him, To you I will give all authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you will worship me, It will be yours. And Jesus answered him and said, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So then Satan took him to Jerusalem and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If you're the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels to guard you, and on their hands they will bear you up and not let your foot strike against a stone. And Jesus said to him, it is said, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until another opportune time. So I want you to think about the temptation that Jesus, the Son of God, literally just went through. If you're the Son of God, challenging his identity. I mean, we're going to go through all these in a second, but just think about the idea of how Jesus is being tempted the same way that you get tempted And the way that he responds is sometimes very different than the way that you respond. See, when Jesus responds, he responds with the truth, with concrete, with the word of God. He doesn't respond with emotions or feelings. I mean, Satan's like offering him to make a stone into bread, which is like as after not eating for 40 days, or being so hungry and so famished, it's so easy to either swear at Satan, punch Satan, tackle Satan, take out a gun and shoot Satan. I mean, there's so many things I would have done in that moment, right? But Jesus is like, Now, let me tell you the word of God, okay? Like, I wish I could do that. But think about how he constantly goes back, not with emotion, not with desire, not with instinct, but he goes back to the concrete word of God. See, the devil doesn't have new tricks. He just waits for new opportunities. And he comes back with the same things over and over again. You look at the Garden of Eden. He uses the same tactics of doubt and undermining identity, undermining truth to try to get you to just take a sip. Okay, so I want you to think about this, right? If this is a bottle of just straight-up poison, okay? Dasani is great water. But let's say, like, I just replaced it with straight poison, right? If you know this is poison, I just told you it's poison. Satan knows it's poison, and you know it's poison. But Satan's like, hey, if you just take one sip of this, I'll give you your greatest desires. If you just take one sip of this, all those fears and anxieties you have, like, they'll go away, Like, it might hurt for a second, but you'll get this in return. Like, isn't it worth it? See, Satan knows we're not stupid enough to drink a bottle of poison. so he might be able to skew us into saying, just try one sip. I mean, it worked with Eve in the garden. Just take one bite. And that one bite took down all of the creation. Not only humanity, but all of earth with it. So I want to break this down into some better things to kind of help you understand these sips that God wants to take. He attacks in these three key ways, okay? He attacks in a lot of different ways, but they come into these these main categories. The first sip he wants you to take is the sip of self. He wants you to focus on yourself. He wants you to love yourself. He wants you to idolize and empower yourself. You are the most important thing in the whole earth. Your desires, your satisfaction, your happiness... Your everything—that is the most important thing in your world—and you know because we've all sipped that sip before. We've all kind of dived into this idea of self-gratification. Whatever I need, whatever's good for me, is what's important to me, and that is the sip that we can be aware of. So the first sip of S-I-P: S is uh, self. The second sip he wants us to jump into is the idea of image. So I for image. Think about this, okay? We all want to gain approval based on what people think of us. There's so many of us that struggle with what people-pleasing we need to do. Like, how do I make them like me? What do I need to do to, like, say the right thing? Or, you know, I know my friend is, like, struggling with this, but I really want them to like me, so I'm not going to say anything about that issue with them because I don't want them to think less of me. I don't want them to be mad at me because I'm I'm challenging. this idea of, of image and how I can gain approval Like, I'm going to post this picture on Instagram, but if it doesn't get enough likes, I'm going to take it down. Like, this idea that we're just constantly driven by our decisions based on the way people see us It's the second sip. And it's the same thing that that Jesus had to go through. Like, if you would just bow down to me, I'll give you all of this. I'll let you have all of these things. Just listen to me. Like, bow down to me. And the third sip is the idea of possessions. How many of you have struggled with the idea that you define yourself by the possessions you wear? or the possessions you have. So for many of you, I mean, it might be the clothes you wear. It might be the things you have. It might be the things you don't have. If you have this, then people will think something different of you. And I know this is really basic things, because the thing is I need you to understand is the trick of Satan is he's not doing advanced tactics. He's doing very basic things because they work. And the truth is you can resist those things. And like I said, like in this journey of, of believing in Jesus in my life, I've been able to see some of these things come. And when I see them come, I try to mirror what Jesus did, and I respond with Scripture. I respond with the truth, the concrete Word of God, so I don't fall into the quicksand. Now, that doesn't mean I win every time, so that's the thing. I'll, I'll resist, I'll resist, and sometimes I'm victorious, and Satan flees. And what does it say, though? He waits for the next opportunity, because tomorrow he's going to come right back again. And every day you need to get back up and say no to the poison that he's trying to lure you in with. It looks so cold. And refreshing and delicious, but it's not. One sip slowly de- decays our souls. It slowly pulls us away from the true identity that we were meant to have, and it makes us fearful and scared. So Jesus stood on God's word over his feelings and desires, but the truth is we all sip from somewhere else. So I don't know what it is for you, but as we go into our groups tonight for the next 25 minutes, I want you to be real. I know we've been talking about identity in this series. I know it's fun to be crazy and wild in your groups, but I know if you're a human being, if you're in middle school or high school, you're sipping from something that's not God. We all do, from time to time. And you know what's so refreshing and so freeing from that poison is to get it out in front of your friends to say, "Hey, this is something I'm I'm drinking in. This is something I know is, is killing me. I know it's not something I want to do, but I." I need you to know because I need you to help me get out of the quicksand that I'm drowning in. That's what our groups are meant to be. That's what community is meant to be. So as you go into your groups, just spend time with great small group questions on the app for you to go through. But it might be just time for you to share. Where are you finding your identity? What sips of the enemy are you indulging in? And what is the concrete truth that God wants for you as you step into this next week? All right, let me pray for us. God, thanks so much for your word. Thank you for that in the midst of a world that's full of temptation, in the midst of an enemy that is constantly against us, that you give us something far more powerful. The word of God, your word, your word of truth. And so God, as we undergo incredible temptation, would you remind us as you promise us to, to send your words into our minds? Because that's what you do, Holy Spirit. You take the word that we've read, that we've meditated on, that we've studied, and in the moment of our greatest challenge, you float them Across the forefronts of our minds that we can cling to them, if we choose, give us the will and the power to listen to the concrete truth you offer, so we can avoid the quicksand and the sips of poison that the enemy gives us. We love you, God, and we pray all these things in your name. Amen. Are you guys just Mr. Group? Thank you for listening to our podcast from Gateway Students 180 program. Please subscribe to stay updated on our current series. If you have any questions or comments, shoot us an email at students at gatewaychurch.com.